Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. We're still seeing it quite well through that haze. E equals MC. That all men are created About the future innovations. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host for the day, Ryan Treasure. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this special, special episode. Uh, today, we're going to talk about an epidemic that's been sweeping the nation and lots of other uh, youth around the country. And we're going to talk about vaping, THC, CBD. What is going on? Why do we have all of these stories popping up as of late with, you know, kids that are having lung illnesses and issues and people going to the hospital and uh, just reading a story recently here in Arizona where a, a young woman earlier this week uh, was in a coma due to some vape related nicotine cartridges. Uh, and so I wanted to really talk about that. And to, to join us today, we have uh, an expert in the field uh, who's worked tirelessly for decades as a health policy consultant to bring government regulatory agencies, uh, national health organizations, and public health uh, health experts and stakeholders to the table for a discussion about tobacco harm and reduction. And I'm sure that this fits the bill as well. So I want to thank uh, Scott Balin for joining us today. Uh, Scott is a consultant and legislative council industry advisor. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on your show. Greatly appreciate the opportunity. Hey, I really appreciate uh, you taking the time. Uh, this is a, an important subject to talk about. Uh, I know that you know vaping has been around for 10 plus years and now it seems all of a sudden there's been this huge increase in in uh, vape related illnesses and uh, people having some really bad issues with uh, that related to the vaping. So I really want to get uh, in depth a little bit on some of those topics. But before we get uh, all the way into the topic of the, the vaping component, uh, I, I want to allow our, uh, you the opportunity just to tell your listen, our, our listeners a little bit uh, about how you found your frequency. Our, our radio show is called finding your frequency and we always like to know you know how somebody found their frequency in life and decided to follow the path that they're on so if you could speak to that we'd love to hear a little bit about your background sure love to i um i've been involved in the tobacco and nicotine issue for over 40 years um i was the vice president of legislative council for the american heart association in washington dc and also was the chairman of the Coalition on Smoking or Health, um, which has now become the campaign for tobacco-free kids, which gets a lot of attention. So I've been around the block with these issues. I wrote the petitions to the Food and Drug Administration years ago to get them to assert jurisdiction over tobacco. I've done a lot of testifying in Congress um, and at the FDA and other places. And so I became very interested in uh, trying to do something very positive for public health um, and one of the major things, obviously, was getting that jurisdiction. We're, we're in a different place now. We're to, um, in a situation where we've got that jurisdiction, and I think FDA and all of the various stakeholders, including manufacturers and public health, are, are sort of struggling with what the, the next step should be. Um, and the vaping issue is one aspect of that, but there are many, many other issues, including what to do about the 40, 34 million uh, adult addicted smokers who are out there still smoking. And that's the real problem. 
Yeah, that's that's definitely a, a big problem that we need to, to solve. And I think all of it's a big problem. I mean, you have vaping, you have cigarette smoking and, you know, um, I'm I, I'm always of the question like you know is it safer to smoke cigarettes than vape now that you see all of these things that are happening not that either one is safe to do just comparing the the two evils I guess <laughs> uh, but I guess that that really seems a question I think in the last twenty years we've we've had a huge decrease in the U S of uh, people smoking so that's been great that it's been on the decline but we still have a, a large swath of the population that is still smoking cigarettes. Um, so what are you guys doing on your side to help, uh, you know, on, on that front? And then we can move into talking about the vaping piece. Well, I, I think that what uh, the American public needs to understand is that the cigarette issue has not gone around. 14% of the population still smokes. That's, as I said before, 34 million addicted adult smokers in this country. That's 480,000 deaths a year. So more than 1,000 people are dying every single day in this country from cigarette smoking. Um, and when you put that into perspective about the, the tragedy of what's happening with the vaping products right now, um, we'll get to the adulterated products and the THC and uh, CBD in those products. Um, you know, we've seen about 20 deaths over the last three months, but we're forgetting about those, those addicted smokers who need alternatives. I mean, if we cut them off from alternatives, uh, lower risk products that are science-based, um, such as, you know, we already have the, the uh, patches and gums that have been out there for a long time, but they haven't been that effective. And those are nicotine-based, so it's not the nicotine that's causing the problems. It's uh, the, what the delivery devices. And for cigarettes, it's inhaling smoke. And there are 7,000 constituents in cigarette smoke, 70 known carcinogens. So we know what the problem is, but we seem to be have been... Uh, misdirected uh, all of a sudden because of this vaping issue and the uh, the youth epidemic. Yeah. I want to really m make it uh, emphasize that I don't think any uh, person under the age of 21 should either use or have possession of any nicotine or tobacco products, period. And that's what we need to be focusing on for, um, for the short term. Uh, but at the same time, we should not forget about the the, the adult smokers who are going to be dying of cancer. And yeah, and I, I think I think to your point of the adult smokers and having some type of alternative, I think this this vaping thing really puts a dent in that. And I'll, I'll explain why. Um, I, I I've known several people who have quit smoking, and you know they they've tried the patches and the gums, and those were not effective for them. And a lot of times when they were able to quit smoking, it was due to vaping because they were able to you know have the same type of cessation of um, a that that hand to mouth type of movement that they do right that's so synonymous with smoking um, so you have the addiction of that movement you know in, in your brain but then secondarily you have the inhaling of the smoke and I do agree that there has to be something that's uh, safe and science based for those adult smokers because they do need an alternative because a it's it's extremely hard for somebody to quit like cold turkey um, some of the medications that are out there like chantix and some of those things uh, a lot of people I think are hesitant to use some of those because they're afraid of some of the side effects when you read the box and it tells you you could possibly go crazy by taking these drugs you kind of want to I think an adult smoker might say hey I'll take my chances with cigarettes over this I think so there's quite a few items that are not effective for those adult smokers and I think one of the effective components could be vaping but we have this huge issue with those and and, and where that's going what are your thoughts there yeah I 
I think you're, you've hit the nail on the head. The, the American consumer and the general public have not been given uh, enough sufficient information uh, to understand the spectrum of products that are out there. You mentioned Chantrix, but there are also other products besides the vaping products. So we've had non-combustible um, smokeless-type products that are very low in carcinogens. Uh, made by Swedish Match, and uh, now the other companies are getting into this. They're providing cleaner forms of nicotine that may be useful to assist um, all the addicted smokers to get off the habit. They need to, all need to be regulated across the spectrum, and FDA has said they want to do that. They made this announcement two years ago, but they haven't done enough. They, they have not sat down uh, to talk about the, the various risks from one end, deadly cigarette, all the way down to the the, uh, the drugs such as NRT products and patches and gums. In the middle, uh, and it's particularly on the non-combustible side of things, there are many, many alternatives that the American uh, smoker should understand and have access to. And that's going to require not only an education of the American smokers, but also our policymakers and our uh, parents and uh, uh, schools, the retailers, wholesalers, you name it, everybody needs to be involved in this discussion because this is not the dark ages of the tobacco wars that I was, you know, cut my teeth on in the 80s and 90s. We have some real opportunities with evolving technology and innovation that can actually turn this whole thing around and, and get to where we want to be, and that is reducing disease and death from tobacco products, including, most importantly, from the deadly cigarette. Yeah, okay. I, I completely understand. Uh, I, I've... I've witnessed that firsthand and uh, smoked myself, and so I completely understand about uh, the education and getting people educated, and I think that's definitely an, an important component. And you actually brought to light a couple of things that I was unaware of. I, I didn't know that there were um, other technology-based products that were available that were non-carcinogenic, and that's probably just because in some way, shape, or form, the marketing of those products is shut down by big business here in the United States to push for tobacco sales, I would imagine. <laughs> Well, you know, the, the problem is, is is that the law that was passed by Congress uh, 10 years ago um, and enacted um, prohibits um, a company from telling the truth on, in those areas. And that's a real, it's a First Amendment issue, but it hasn't been challenged adequately. I mean, I use uh, the Swedish snus, um, which is a little packet uh uh, you, you put a, it's a little pouch that you put in your your mouth to and you absorb the nicotine from it and I will tell you that most in, people in public health for years and years have accepted the fact that these products are lower in risk it's not an issue and there's FDA has been slow to approve these products uh, to be able to make some statements and claims about them but again the a public uh, the consumer is losing out and um, we are not making these products available to people uh, as quickly as we should be we've known about this, this the these products for almost 20 years everything is slow it's a bureaucracy at the FDA which is also part of the problem of why they've been so slow in doing anything about the vaping area and they need to step up to the plate and uh, move things forward in a much faster way instead of sitting on it for several years at a time. Yeah, that's probably about half the problem with a lot of governmental agencies and getting something done for the good of the people. You have a bureaucracy around, you know, 99% of getting anything done. <laughs> yep, we do. We do. And it doesn't have to be that way. I, as I, um, my, my view is, and I think you said this as part of my introduction, I, 
I believe that if the FDA were to bring all the various stakeholders into the room on this vaping issue, for example, that there would be a lot more common ground found. Uh, instead of everybody sort of blaming each other and having enemies out there, blaming the companies, blaming the FDA, blaming public health, um, I think there could be some win-win solutions found very quickly. I mean, one of the things that people seem to generally agree on across the board is to raise the sale um, possession uh, for any tobacco and nicotine product to 21. That takes the issue out of the schools because most of the people who are in high school are below the age of 21 and therefore there should be absolutely no availability of any of these products. Um, the older kids are getting them at, you know, yeah. and uh, they're selling them to their kids, uh, to yeah, their you, friends. That's, and, a, that's a huge point that you're making. We, uh, I had mentioned earlier in, in the opening that there's the an epidemic here in Arizona, for instance. Uh, a girl was in a coma on Monday due to a vaping product, and then they went and searched her home. Her mom didn't know that she was vaping at all, and, you know, she's like 16 years old, and they found 50 nicotine vape cartridges at her house, and her mom said, oh, I saw those, and they looked like little mini um you know little mini uh uh, uh perfume bottles i th- i thought that's what they were because you know if you look at them it could it could be it could look like one of those little perfume tester bottles yep. that you get from the yep. mall or whatever so i could understand that and so i think that's a where some education goes in but secondly how did that 16 year old girl get those well you have uh, 18 year old seniors in high school that are probably purchasing them for the other kids and so i wholeheartedly agree that you know putting that age group at 21 takes it completely out of the schools and and takes that that piece away but i think secondarily regardless of vaping or uh, whether vapes are good or bad or or that or 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 how the kids are acquiring them how do you how do you look into the black market component and how do you make a determination of is there a higher percentage of these problematic nicotine or vape cartridges that are coming from black market sources versus reputable sources yeah i i think there are and i think the fda has been much more vocal about those issues. Our CDC, Center for Disease Control, uh, has been a little more cautious, and uh, that has, uh, in, in part, confused the public who believes that vape, vaping is the problem. And as I said, I've seen many stories now, um, national newspapers, local newspapers, where there are a lot of fly-by-night people who want to make a quick buck, and what they are doing is they're taking these cartridges and they're putting into them um, CDB oils and uh, THC and other things. And when you heat an oil up, um, it, it vaporizes, but then it's uh, you know it's in your lungs. It covers your lungs up, and this is causing the, the a lot of the disease problems uh, that we're seeing. You know, one has to ask the question: Why does this all of a sudden start happening? You know, and part of it all is also is the very uh, the liberalization of our marijuana laws and our CBD laws, hemp laws, um, and so there's this feeling that well, if they're being legalized or and these products are now being uh, allowed to be sold. Uh, they must be safe, and we are finding out that we're having a real problem with this, and it will continue to get worse until um, states, uh, our federal government, like FDA, or even the DEA and other places are willing to begin to look at this issue in a much broader perspective and just not blame everything on on what they call vaping, because, as I said, vaping has been around for um, 10 years, and I know a lot of people who are in the uh, manufacturing business, and they're very reputable people. 
There are a lot of, but there are a lot of shady people who want to make a quick buck. They're selling these products for uh, half price or less, and kids are are buying them up, and um, and that's a real concern that has not gotten uh, the attention it deserves. So this is all being wrapped up into one big package. Um, you know, it's interesting. I testified before Congress five years ago before the Senate, a Senate committee. And I was talking about was the whole issue of vaping and the problems and the marketing issues and flavors and all of that stuff. But I, I warned the committee, I said, you know, in, in five years, we're going to be having the same discussion concerning marijuana as it gets legalized. Kids are going to be using it. They're going to be driving under the influence. Uh, it is a drug. Uh, it is smoke. And we are going to see ramifications from that. And the funny thing is that I know a lot of um, policymakers that the federal level and state level who are for legalization of marijuana but totally opposed to vaping and there's an inconsistency there um, and a, particularly when it comes to kids and we're not ready to deal with that but we better be because we're going to have another epidemic on our hands very shortly so are you guys are you guys marijuana. yeah are you guys looking at data from states like Colorado and California on those states that do have uh, like recreational legalization of marijuana is there enough data out there that says oh hey yes there is an uptick in people that are getting marijuana related DUIs versus alcohol DUIs um, like how is how is the federal government using the state data to to make proper decisions as far as those regulations are, are concerned. Yeah, I think you raise a, an interesting point because I just read an article that it's hard to evaluate that data and when a police officer stops somebody, they don't know how to charge the person or how to measure how intoxicated they are using, you know, using marijuana yet. It's a whole new area that uh, has not been given enough attention. Um, you know, the vaping issue on the nicotine, the nicotine is, is, is addictive, highly addictive. No one questions that, but it doesn't cause the ramifications of, uh, you know, the inability to drive or being high for a longer period of time that also is very disruptive to uh, young people, but also adults. And there needs to be an educational effort that looks at those issues because they're coming. And I don't know how the data is being collected in places like Colorado and other places, but there needs to be a national collection system uh, so that we can begin to evaluate the, uh, what's, what's happening in the marijuana area before it uh, becomes too, uh, too much of a problem. And it's yeah, out there. It I, will be. I, I, and, and, and I, just, I, and it, Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I agree with you that there needs to be some kind of regulations around how that operates. But I got to be honest with you, Scott. Um, I live in Arizona, which is a non uh, non uh, recreational state. It's a medical marijuana state. And um, there's been some times where for me specifically, um, I've been able to turn to alternative medicine and not had to turn to pharmaceuticals for um, ailments or pain or, or, or discomfort in certain circumstances. And so I see that there's a value and a benefit medically, but I will 100% agree with you that there are not enough regulations because those are questions I ask when I turn to the holistic side of things and say, hey, you know, I might want to uh, go down this road versus having my doctor prescribe me, uh, you know, opiate based uh, pain medication and go a holistic direction. And I found that those other holistic things, they do work for me, but I have those questions all the time. Uh, I, I, I was in the military and one of the things I always ask when I go is like, where's the MSDS sheet on this thing that you're selling me so I know what's inside of it. And 
there's a, there's not a state based regulation that says those places have to provide that. That's a, I don't think it's that way in Colorado or California either. Yeah. And I think that's some things that if uh, the federal government decides to make a difference in the classification of marijuana, that those are things that they really need to take into consideration um, before making those decisions so they can make sure that um, if they open the gate, so to speak, that there's somebody that's watching out for the health of individuals um, and because not everybody's like me like I'm I'm extremely uh, vigilant on what I put into my body I'm gonna ask 20,000 questions so I can get the proper answers and not a lot of people are going to go that far um, they're just looking for relief and I think that is education that's uh, proper regulation and all of those pieces combined um, so I wanted to I wanted you to know Scott like kind of how I feel uh, on that particular uh, item uh, so we could just have a candid conversation yeah, actually, I, I agree with what you just said, because I, I'm not suggesting that uh, marijuana only be allowed um, through prescription or something like that, you know, over the counter. But we do need standards. I mean, even the toxicity of the, and the uh, potency of marijuana varies. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an older person, and uh, the marijuana in my day, uh, many, many years ago, is nothing compared to the potency of what's on the market today. Um, and you know you can take this stuff in in oral form. You you can smoke it, um, and so there's lots of opportunities for uh, adulteration, which is exactly what's happening in the vaping area. You don't want to go down that road. You want to make sure that what that people are entitled to information about the products, just as you said, and there needs to be that information uh, provided, and there needs to be some sort of government oversight on how that information is provided, so that an yeah. individual can make that choice. Yeah, that's the tricky part for me. I'm always like, well, it's great that you as a company who was marketing a product, um, obviously the reason you exist is to make money. So, I mean, are you going to lie to me as a consumer and tell me that this is safe for me just to make a sale and then where the government regulation needs to be able to come in and do a fact check on that data and that information on from a regulatory standpoint to basically give it some type of confirmation saying that, yes, this is valid and we've, we've we've checked on that we've proven it you know i think uh one of the things i kind of like about what canada does is how you know canada health regulates their medical marijuana and uh they have a whole bunch of regulations on there i read an article today one of their big cultivators is literally destroying like 70 million dollars in products just because they weren't uh compliant to health canada and they want to make sure they're compliant because they had their own consumers their own people send products back yep. to them and you know i think that there needs to be that type of approach here in the U.S. if we're going to be successful with making sure that yeah. we keep an eye on the, the public health. Yeah, and that is happening with some of the other products I, I mentioned, the non-combustible tobacco-based products that are low in cancer-causing agents, TSNAs, etc. Um, uh, companies like Swedish Match and even some of the major tobacco companies have to file these applications with the Food and Drug Administration and have to provide the science uh, to back up anything that they're they're getting approval for, it's a very elaborate process. I think it's a little bit too bureaucratic, and it costs companies a lot of money. Uh, but it, it provides some assurance that these products are what they say they are. And so, when you're using a non-combustible tobacco product like Swedish Snooze for some of these newer ones, there's one called On, there's one called Zin. These are actually non-tobacco nicotine products, but they still have to be reviewed, and the science has to be there. Um, and the FDA has to decide what you can say and not say. You can't make 
health claims about something unless you've got the science to back it up. So, you know, there is a system. I think it's uh, excessive at the moment, but we need that, and we're going to need it in terms of uh, the issue of marijuana down the road. And no one has federal jurisdiction except DEA, who's more concerned over the years about banning any production. That's changing, obviously, but I don't think we are equipped to deal with this on a national level or a state level. All the states are doing slightly different things, and we need some continuity and consistency uh, so that anybody using a product gets the product that they think they're they're being sold, and and that includes you or anybody else. You're yeah. entitled to that information. Don't don't you think too that maybe the 2018 the Farm Bureau stuff that got changed for hemp does that does that, I think that adds to the confusion for some people because not a lot of people understand the differentiation between like hemp and marijuana because of their close relativeness to each other. And um, do you think that that even clouds the discussion even further? Oh, it absolutely does. Actually, um, I've worked on the tobacco for a long time, and I remember that when we were trying to work with the tobacco growers in, let's say, Virginia and Kentucky, that uh, they wanted legalization of hemp, hemp, but not not uh, marijuana that has the THC, which is the you know the the the, the drug in the in the in the system, but. The American public believes that they're one and the same. There, there's again, there's no education about differentiation between what hemp is and what uh, marijuana is. They're, they're out of the same family, but they're very different in what they they do or can do to uh, an individual trying to smoke them. And I think I mean, it's, you don't it's, get high off that. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's just as easy to explain. Like, okay, there's 16 types of cactus. Right. There's this type of cactus and this type of cactus. And this one is this way. And this one is this way, even though they're both cactus, they're two different plants. Right. And so um, I, I live in the desert, so I had to make that uh, that analogy. But I, but I think that's definitely the case, because, you know, for me, I look at, you know, the toxic chemicals created by the creation of plastic, um, all the oil contents that are used for plastic creation and how uh, hemp fibers could replace a lot of things that are made out of plastic. They could become biodegradable. Uh, I think there's a, a huge economic implication and an environmental implication for the ability for products to be made out of hemp, including biofuels and those types of things that could actually be used um, in retrospect as a, uh, a self-service component I have a hemp farm that's pio, uh, that's powered by bio hemp fuel and it and you're able to grow the product that runs your farm and it's just so sustainable in my eyes yeah yeah it's uh, I, you know I, and I agree with you 100% the problem that we're having right now as I, I've said before is we've got a lot of uh, uh, sleazy marketers who want to make a quick buck off uh, hemp CBD oils and everything else so it's turning into a big, big market, and it's being used uh, and sold to young people who have no clue. They think they're getting high. They're going to get high off it. And uh, what they're getting is a deadly oil because it's vaporized, and that's what's causing the lung problems. And this may happen again. I mean, these these operations pick up and move somewhere else. I mean, a couple of the busts that I read about, one in Los Angeles, one in Wisconsin, and then one in Virginia, I mean, there is cash found in these places, uh, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000, with thousands of uh, these, uh, you know, uh, vaping uh, contraptions that you could insert anything you want into. So, you know, there is a real need for oversight and regulation, but FDA doesn't have control over... Um, the problem what, is that they don't, they don't have control over what, marijuana what made or those, anything like that. What made those uh, locations that got busted, like what made what they were doing illegal? What part of that was illegal? That's one of the questions well, that I have. 
adulteration of a product. I mean, if I, I, I always use a, an example of, you know, ground meat, uh, beef or something. If someone knows and puts something in ground beef or f- puts fillers in that ends up causing uh, serious illness, but they're selling it all over the place, they're adulterating the product. And that's what's happened. Vaping products are vaping products, but when you alter them, you are adulterating them, and you yeah. can cause a lot of harm, which is exactly what's happened now. And that's illegal. Yeah, and the reason um, I ask, Scott, is because I have a uh, we're a radio network, and we have a radio show that um, talks about CBD, and a, a gentleman who does the show who um, who's about CBD. One of the things I really liked uh, when having a discussion with him was he is all about regulation. He's like, I actually got into this because I've been in in in, in, in industry for a really long time, and I, I thought that there was a big problem with uh, there not being regulations, and he felt that the only way that he could help to uh, down the path of regulation was to start his own company and then advocate for uh, for for those regulations. Number one, number two, also make sure that um, none of his products are available to anybody under uh, under eighteen. Obviously, that's what the law is currently on the on the on several of the vaping things. But just recently, he had uh, found out about some of the vaping stuff and things that were going on, and now. His vaping products were only for adults and they were, you know, tested and he had his MSDS reports and all that. And even though he still did that, even in the stead of all of this vaping thing, he actually removed his entire line of vape products and only sells the CBD oils and the rubs and those types of things. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was pretty responsible of a guy who owns a business who needs to sell products. Ab- absolutely. See, this is the kind of thing. That's the responsibility that we need out there as we go through and try to get some of these questions answered and try to look to the future as to how all this 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 whole market should be regulated or unregulated. I mean, we haven't done that. And so we're having this uh, shouting match or a lot of this is being played out in the media. And the media doesn't listen to half of what they want stories. And so a lot of this hype that's going on has created a feeding frenzy. Uh, with a lack of information. Uh, I'll, I'll switch back to tobacco for a minute because Swedish Match uh, produces these products here in the United States, and I've been well aware of it for a long time. Uh, they use a, a certain tobacco that's grown a certain way, and you had mentioned this about Canada, um, and they have a standard that, they, that all of that tobacco has to meet concerning the amount of you know, pesticides in it, uh, the amount of TSNAs in it, and if it's bad and it doesn't meet those qualifications, they destroy it. That's the kind of responsibility that needs to take place, and they've been operating out of uh, Kentucky and uh, Owensboro, Kentucky, and producing these products, and they're open to uh, to people to inspect their plants. The FDA has to go in there and look at stuff, and they they, uh, they have a relationship with FDA to talk about uh, what they're doing or not doing. We need to start talking about this in the whole area of marijuana before it's uh, too late and we have to deal with it as a, a problem that you know the, the horse got out of the barn we can't get it back in you know, I, I definitely agree. We got to make sure to keep our kids and our uh, our population safe here in the United States. Scott, thank you for joining me on this episode of Finding Your Frequency. Uh, what a what a wonderful discussion we've had. Before we go, uh, is there any uh, couple of nuggets of information you'd like to leave our audience with before we uh, check out today? Well, I, I hope people will uh, pay attention to the facts that are, that, uh, are out there and not be consumed by the media hype and everything else uh, that's going on. I really do believe that um, we are at a point in this country, and it's just not this issue, where we need to start talking to each other. There's a lot more common ground, and we've become, I guess, um, tribal in the way we deal with things. Um, 
and we, we need to stop fighting and looking and start looking for solutions and doing it in a very civil way. And, and that is why I think the FDA needs to call all the stakeholders into the room uh, to talk about how to resolve this issue in a way that's going to um, benefit the public health, uh, benefit uh, the safety of our kids, and also give industry uh, the support they need in, in uh, moving forward with, with technology and innovation to create better products that are science-based that are going to help us reduce the disease and death that uh, uh, tobacco smoking causes. I really appreciate you jumping on and giving us your point of view and uh, educating us. And I wholeheartedly agree. If you're listening to this show, you've got to ask questions. Don't sit on the sidelines and just believe what you read or believe what you see. Ask questions, get out there and, and, and make that a point. I tell my daughter every day when I drop her off for school that she needs to listen, learn everything and ask questions. Uh, and I think that that's an important component of being educated from all fronts. Uh, and I would urge you guys to do so. Scott, thank you for being on the radio show. If you guys are listening on any of your favorite uh, podcast devices or software, uh, please make sure you give us a nice five-star rating because five stars are better than four. Uh, and of course, if you ever want to talk about anything specific on fighting your frequency, you can always email us info at voiceamerica.com. Follow us all over social media at voiceamericatrn. I'm at Radio Ryan One. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Finding Your Frequency right here on the Voice America Talk Radio Network.